gang, welcome to the Your Basket is Empty pod, a space where I sit down with agencies, brands, and original e-com thinkers to discuss their journey, practical advice, and how they're navigating the current digital landscape. Your Basket is Empty is also a bi-monthly industry newsletter that covers the most interesting e-com and direct consumer news, interviews with original e-com thinkers, a jobs board, an event listing section, and a playlist. Go check that out at yourbasketisempty.com. On episode 72, I'm chatting with Tom Reese, the founder of Wiro Agency, a Shopify Plus agency accelerating home, interior, and lifestyle brands. We discuss the print services origins of Wiro, pivoting from a platform agnostic model to Shopify only, his take on commerce components and why this additional enterprise layer is useful from a pricing perspective, the similarities of brand expectations and caution between COVID and now, using the current market volatility to their advantage when hiring, why partnerships with bigger agencies is a great growth initiative, why we need to enter a new era of hyper-realistic case studies, and his go-to internal agency stack, including Slack, ClickUp, Notion, Google Drive, Pipedrive, QuickBooks, and Loom. Enjoy the episode. Tom, welcome to the pod. How are you and where are you? Good. I, uh, I'm in Ipswich, so we're about an hour outside of London, um, regularly commuting into London. Nice. Nice. I had an Uber driver the other day that uh, suggested that I invest in property in Ipswich. That was his number oh, really? one tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For 2023. I, I spent a good 20 minutes talking about Ipswich property investment strategy. Really? Yeah. My Ipswich or your Ipswich? There's an Ipswich uh, that side of the world as well, I think. Ah, uh, where? what Ipswich are you in? I'm in Ipswich. Uh, in, in, in sort the UK. of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> good point. Yeah, there is one in Australia. I think it's in Queensland. Yeah, I've got a friend out there at the moment and uh, he sent me, he sent me a, an Instagram video, I think, and it was basically saying he couldn't ever get away from Ipswich even though he's 10,000 miles away. That's very funny. <laughs> I, I would assume, I'm quite confident he was talking about your Ipswich, which is, is in Suffolk, right? Am I, am I yeah. right in saying? Is that the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He wasn't talking about rural Queensland, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, we had a lovely office in the kind of rural countryside, um, converted barns, yeah. Lo- loads, of, uh, loads of farmland and lots of greenery around here. Nice. Um, right, we're going to do a little bit of a rewind. We'll get straight into it. So tell me a little bit about the origin story of Wiro. Why, why did you start an agency? So <laughs> historically, I didn't actually start an agency. So we established a business back in 2015-16, um, which was actually a design and print-based studio. We weren't actually building websites at the time. We weren't uh, focusing on the, the digital space at all. We were actually mainly delivering brand identity, print collateral, um, you name it, we did it, business cards, roller, banners, flyers, leaflets, essentially marketing materials and collateral. Um, and websites came about, about when we were essentially being asked that as the last question, you've, you've done the logo, you've done the brand identity, we've got all our flyers, leaflets, marketing materials sorted, but we haven't got anywhere to, to do our website. Is there anyone you recommend? So for about two years, we, we kind of said, well, no, but at the same time, we kind of did our research and we, we found these different platforms where we could help brands establish and even businesses at the time. They weren't even always um, e-commerce brands, more so kind of tradesmen, businesses, anyone that needed a website, basically, um, get get online. So we did that through the likes of Squarespace, uh, mm-hmm. WordPress, mm-hmm. Um, Shopify, we dabbled in and we kind of found... We love Shopify. Customers love Shopify. Customers, customers love Shopify. So, yeah, we were working with uh, freelance designers and developers, and it was just kind of me and my my little kind of box room, similar to how I am kind of now. But this is kind of my my office from home. 
Um, and yeah, that that's kind of kind of got started. We ended up then really honing in on the the website side of things and beginning to drop the other things. So we were doing the brand identity work and the print based work, and there was so much faff involved and so much back and forth with the client and the revisions and when it went to print the crops the bleeds everything you name it if you've been in print you kind of know what i'm talking about in terms Mm. of these back and forth Mm. we kind of got to the point where it was like digital is a bit more i don't know it felt a bit more the client was a bit more engaged the client's clients were a bit more engaged in the in this digital thing if you like um and that because clients didn't really have a an idea at the time, maybe six, seven years ago, really what a website should be for. We could really help position that, especially having worked with print materials, essentially you're trying to drive them to do a specific thing within websites or within e-commerce specifically, you're, you're trying to drive them to do a specific thing. So we took the the principles of the design and the print based work that we've been doing and basically took that online. Um, we were doing more B2B sites, more B2C, um, and we found that the brands we loved working with were within the e-commerce space. Over time, we dropped the brand, we dropped the print stuff, we dropped the other website stuff. So Squarespace sites, WordPress sites, essentially all the B2B stuff, we stopped doing. Yep. Uh, we just focused on Shopify. And essentially, as we, we grew up this small team, if you like, we, we started with one developer, then we got a few more. Um, basically, just tailoring our 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 offering, if you like, to where the demand was, especially through the COVID times. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that, that's how it got started. So we weren't an agency. We didn't set out to be an agency. It was very much design and print orientated. And actually, we just kind of fell into the space of websites. And actually, we turned out we were we were quite good at doing websites and clients. Loved the work we were churning out. We, we established a core kind of retained client base. Um, Still to this day, even six, seven years ago, brands that we worked with at the time still come back, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were out of budget and we don't. Um, <laughs> however, we still have that com- communication and conversation with them to refer them to a partner or to someone that perhaps helped us get us to where we are in the earlier days, um, when, back when they were freelance designers or developers and that kind of thing. Nice. So before we jumped on, we were, um, we were extolling the virtues of Shopify. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm keen to sort of spend a little bit of time on the platform itself. You're obviously in a very uh, good position to to discuss it uh, as a technology and its wider mm-hmm. market position. So there's been a lot of activity, my observation, in terms of like feature rollout recently. So yep. I'm curious to take one slice of that, and that's the sort of commerce components feature. What, what's your general take on that? Are, are you into it? Are you not into it? What do you generally think? I haven't had a great deal of time really to dive into the ins and outs. Have it- Obviously, I've spent time, I've spent some time understanding what, what it is. Um, and to me, it feels like Shopify utilizing Plus for so many brands now where once upon a time ago, that used to be the enterprise level solution. However, now it feels like they're essentially adding in even more premium and established yep. um, level or layer, if you like, to the onion. Um, yep. I think the main difference for me between Plus and components is um, plus is an all-in-one solution um, for digital first brands, whereas I think components or commerce components, whatever they've called it, uh, feels like it's a bit more of a selection of pre-established kind of components and modules um, to yeah, build, build, experience, build experiences um, a bit more seamlessly and, and integrate them into a bit more of a broader stack with the rest of the business. 
yeah uh, but yeah i haven't i haven't had a lot of time to obviously kind of go through i've been more focused on uh on the winter edition side of things yeah yeah cool i suppose just like a technical sort of element to it do do, do you think it's a, a good move how do you feel about shopify entering the kind of like enterprise space do, do you and or, or does it just doesn't enter your world because the world that you're working in are obviously already surrounded by shopify and it's like you know it's business as usual and yeah that's cool we might touch some of that at some point but what you know we're not focused on it at the moment yeah i think definitely the latter i think it's a com- there's a combination of both but i think we don't dabble in as much of the enterprise enterprise level so the the extremes if you like of the enterprise side of things we work with a lot of brands that are doing between five and 10 million. Um, we've got a couple that are within 20 to 25 million a year, um, but we're we're not working with the higher tier, should we say, of the, the 100 million plus kind of brands. So I think it's much more appealing to those kind of brands, um, less so at the moment to the, the, the typical brands that we're working with on a day-to-day basis, both the retained and the, the replatforms over to Shopify Plus. It does feel to me like it is a, a bit more of a, a premium feature and if you like there's so many brands historically that wouldn't move up to plus because it was two thousand dollars a month or whatever mm. um whereas now it feels like well that's that's not a lot of money really for the return that we'd get for our brand on that so yeah, i feel like so many so many brands are moving up to plus that now there's another le- level kind of added yeah yeah that's really interesting i never thought about it like that in the sense that it, you know by adding another layer and putting the third tier there makes that middle tier seem far more uh, attractive right yeah, I think so. And I think when you look at the however many brands that they've rolled out onto this new kind of stack, if you like, of tools, it, it's not many, but it is the bigger, more established brands. So, yeah, for me, I think they've added that that extra layer um, to yeah, get more brands onto Plus and eventually more Plus brands um, onto that next kind of level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you think, I suppose something I'm, I'm exploring my newsletter this week is like, does Shopify have an identity crisis? And I wonder, like, w- w- what's your general thought on that? Do you, do you think they're going too broad? Like, is there a risk that there's going to be, you know, the, the, the gorilla is too big and then <laughs> once it becomes too big that there is a, uh, maybe not an opportunity for it to fall, but for, you know, smaller more niche nimble platforms to come in and take a bit of market share um i think definitely on the headless side of things um i think i think a lot of a lot of agencies and a lot of developers and i think even a lot of brands i think they don't really know where it sits in terms of there's there's all these other defined kind of offerings from shopify Mm. but i think headless was massive uh hydrogen oxygen storage when they released it was massive and it was all this massive thing but I do think there's a, a little bit of a question mark around it in terms of who is it best for yep. the amount of conversations we have with brands where they think they need headless. They've heard about Shopify's hydrogen and oxygen offering and even in the, the latest update with them, um, bringing out a second version of it. It's like, oh, this buzzword that we, we need to have it within our stack and whatever. And when, when we explore what they want, they don't actually need it necessarily. So yeah. um, I do think there is a bit of a question mark around it. I, I also think it's too early on in the in the game to almost tell what the outcome is at the moment i don't i haven't seen too many agencies utilize utilize it massively nor have we seen many brands kind of come to us with that kind of stack um so yeah kind of unsure at the moment interesting yeah i I suppose it's like from your perspective i'm assuming it doesn't really matter like if anything it's a great marketing ploy that they're sort of rolling out right so you get someone that's interested in shopify headless they come to somebody like you being the experts that you are you can advise them against it 
but ultimately you've got the lead. So great, <laughs> you know, like, and you can kind of take it from there. So I, I do wonder, and I've, I've, I've been exploring it in my own mind, like how much of, I suppose, the oxygen, hydrogen, and now the commerce components rollout is a marketing play versus an actual, they really want to eat into that market. And I wonder, does just opening up the question slightly is good enough because they get the either the, uh, you know, they're attracting customers or they're retaining ones that we're going to leave, right? And just that thin layer of doubt kind of on either side is like an interesting area for exploration. I think it's just having a solution for almost all things to bridge the gap where, well, okay, we were exploring Shopify Plus, but we're also exploring, I don't know, big commerce, for example. I think it's yep. definitely um, covering themselves for a perhaps lost opportunity. Um, I, I definitely don't think the tools are necessarily all the way there that, yet at the moment. But again, they haven't really been around long enough to find where the gaps are in them. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we certainly haven't kind of done too much on our side with it at the moment. We've, we've had brands come to us. In fact, I was having a conversation with a brand this morning that thinks they needed headless and they wanted to try these new tools and the, the budget's there to do so. But I said, look, you don't need to spend that. You don't, you don't need to ex- extend your budget to push it to, to getting something that your brand doesn't actually need. And when I explained as to why they were kind of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that kind of makes sense. Like we're, we're just a traditional um, kind of like jewelry brand, watch brand um, where they didn't necessarily need that experience that I think a lot of these brands that are getting a lot more creative with their, their storefronts and the touch points with the customers. Those are the kind of brands that I think we see going on to that headless kind of approach. Yeah. Interesting. I want to then switch gears slightly to something that you probably have more of a technical insight into. And just generally mm-hmm. speaking, I haven't spoken to anyone yet, weirdly, on the Shopify Winter Editions announcement. I've seen loads of commentary on the announcements, but yep. um, I love your take on things. So I'd be curious to see, you know, what do you make of it? What were your highlights? Do you think something was missing? You know, you've been my roving reporter in the newsletter, you know, across <laughs> other Shopify developments. So we're doing a, a, a an audio version of that, you know. Round two. So, yeah, round, round two. two. Yeah, so yeah we've done summer, it's winter time. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So what's your take? <laughs> yeah, um, I think for me, there was, there was two or three big ones. I think a lot of, a lot of questions we get asked with our, our growth retained brands is typically around conversion points at checkout. Um, one of which is how can we consolidate our Shopify Plus checkout into a single page, for example. Obviously, Shopify have, have kept this relatively quiet over the past few years. And whilst you can customize and, and use and abuse it to an extent, I think there's an element of, okay, you can't go any any more than what we have pushed the boundaries. So bringing out that one-page checkout um, with reduced fields and obviously increased kind of performance to remove any friction, I think it's been massive. Um, the drag and drop checkout editor as well for the smaller brands that want to plug and play kind of tech integrations or APIs and stuff into the into the checkout I think is big product bundles I think is another one we're building out bundle builders bike builders product builders whatever mm-hmm. you name it um, hampers that kind of thing ring configurators and builders um, for our retained clients that are a lot more custom however mm-hmm. there's nothing really out of the box from Shopify when you think about their offering it wouldn't be too difficult for them to bring that kind of feature out so um, Obviously, yeah, in them doing so, it's been big. Then there's been obviously a lot of dev updates from, from a technical side. They've brought out a second version of Hydrogen, as I said. Um, so yeah, I think for me, the summer one was massive, but I think it was because they hadn't done anything of that scale uh, and kind of nature before. Whereas I think the winter one has been a bit more iterative, I think, in terms of what they brought out last summer and rolling out like additions to functionality that came out last year. 
albeit there was still a lot. Um, but yeah, I think for me, those are the those are the top three: the the checkout, or the two versions of the checkout, and and the the product or bundle builder. I wonder. Yeah, it's interesting. So my understanding is this was that they've replaced the the big event they used to do with these things, right? Like it used. What, what did it used to be called? Uh, it was like the not unite. Unite is 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 this what yeah. is Unite being replaced with these additions things, or is it that they're doing events and then this is the technical rollout of what you would typically get as an announcement at Unite? I don't know because there's so many events that they used to do. They used to do the part of town halls. They used to do Unite. Then they start doing the other ones that they were doing last year um, that were on like a smaller scale, but bridging them across like Europe and that kind of thing, which we went to and that was that was good. And then obviously um, Shopify additions rolled out shortly after that, so that was that was exciting. I think the ecosystem is becoming too big that I don't think they're doing the in-person events like they used yeah, to perhaps anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's just potentially a, a take on it. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a good way for them to get all of this information over across quite quickly. And um, when you look at the likes, <laughs> go on LinkedIn and everyone and every single agency and every developer is sharing totally content. Right. So yeah, 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 it's whether yeah. or not it's getting the word out quicker than it is in these in-person events. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I must talk to somebody about it because it, it definitely feels as an outside observer that the the announcements are bigger and just better. Like I felt that like the Unite and the the sort of like the in-person events was a bit more, there was kind of like insight into the roadmap, but it was like, oh, this is coming and then you'd never see it. Whereas this strategy has been quite good because it's like, right, this is all available now. You know, it feels like they've maybe focused on the actual development and like shipping of the product or shipping of the, you know, the new features. Yeah, and I had a very similar conversation with someone at Shopify last year um, during during that in-person event. I can't remember if it was a Unite or if it was something something else. Um, and they essentially said the same thing. And they said, look, we can, we can say a certain amount publicly, but obviously the company itself is public. So making drastic and rolling out or explaining drastic changes before they come to market obviously reflects on the value of the mm, business. So interesting. Publicly. So I think that has an, an element um, in terms of what they've, historically been able to say and perhaps not say uh i want to switch gears slightly so i am curious like you're very much on the ground right um are you noticing any particular trends when it comes to clients before we started talking which was really really interesting you mentioned that you're seeing some similarity between the general market and demand for agency services now compared to like at the start of covid what else are you seeing? And maybe you can explain that in a, in a little bit more detail. Um, I think we, we spoke before the call and I think I, I said, it seems like we're almost seeing what we saw at the start of the COVID era in terms of brands are reluctant to invest their money. They don't want to do it quite now. This was maybe three or four months ago. But where we were before Christmas was we're, we're now in a position where we're booked out from, from March, April time. This year, I think to date has been one of our best years, um, given that the e-commerce space during COVID was was massive and we, th- we all thought we were riding that wave back then. We've been in a, in a good position since. Um, so yeah, we teed up this year quite nicely back in November, December, lining up builds for this year. Um, the start of this year, we're finding we've audited a lot, a lot more brands. Um, I think to date, we've audited eight, eight or 10 different sites just within January and February alone. Um, we've got three brands beginning beginning to work with us in March and another two or three that I think are coming on board from April time. Um, and I think 
I think, yeah, we're in a similar position to where we were pre-COVID in terms of when we saw it coming, everyone was so reluctant to spend. They didn't want to invest their hard-earned cash. They had reserves kind of sat there. No one knew what was going on. Whereas I think now the media play a part in like telling us where we are as a country and that, but I always, I always listen to, to what they say around e-commerce and it seems like they, they get so many of them statistics, like very, very wrong. Mm. Um, and I think they, they, they paint it in one way, but I think us on the ground in the e-commerce space see it a very, very different way. Uh, for, yeah. And for us, I think we've seen a lot of brands invest their, their, their money into to their websites this year. It's, it's like that old saying in marketing, when you're, when you're in a bad position, the worst thing you can do is almost turn your marketing off because ultimately it's going to do the worst things for your sales. And I think brands have almost like doubled down on that this year and, and even last year when conversion was low or sales were low, the worst thing you can do is, is not do anything about it or stop doing what yep. you were attempting to do. Yep. So yeah, I think we've seen an increase in, in the brands that are actually stopping what they're doing, taking time to reflect, spending and investing time, auditing, reviewing what is and isn't working on their sites, both technically and from like a customer experience perspective. And then us outlining a roadmap for them to then work to and achieve hopefully growth from, um, as opposed to just coming straight on board for a retainer, rolling out what they think is the priority when ultimately we've got a team of experts, which can tell you which should and shouldn't be kind of um, focused on or prioritized. So yeah, I think that's been big for us. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that's the difference that I've seen in the, in the two is that I think people are a bit more reactive now to actually doing something about it rather than waiting to see what happens. Because I think we've, we've had an era where we've seen what happened and we all got out the other side. So, um, yeah, I think from, from our side as well, like we're not being cautious with the situation. I think if anything, we're being the opposite. Um, we definitely saw those trends, yeah, during COVID when everyone was riding that wave initially. So I think, yeah, we've all come out the other side. There's no reason why it won't continue. Yeah, interesting. And when you say that you're, you, you've sort of like, uh, uh, you know, um, adapting to the current situation based on the learnings from the COVID, are you sort of being more aggressive in your own internal investment and hiring and stuff like that? Or are you still sort of in a wait and see, slightly more cautiously optimistic mindset? Uh, so we've changed a lot as an agency in the last two or three years. We've really we're running things a lot leaner than what you'd be used to. In fact, what we found within COVID was every time a project came in, we, we would hire. Um, at one point we were up to seven or eight devs. It was just like, right, okay, another project, another hire. Yep. Um, got so many projects, so many retainers now, we need account manager, project manager. Um, and then after that kind of stopped and, and it all plateaued out a little bit, we realized, okay, we've got this, this team now that, I, I don't know, it doesn't, doesn't almost meet the demand of the project. So we, we, we rolled things back a little, we, we went back to kind of basics. And it wasn't more so about the people side of things. It was more so about the process and that actually we found we have all these people, but actually within the team, but we have no process. Therefore, if there's no process, we don't know if we actually need these people or if they're hundred percent capacity. Yeah. Um, we were, yeah, we were very much hiring developers based on what we thought they were at in terms of capacity, but we had no measurables. So for us, the last two years has very much been focused on setting out processes properly, operations, systems, yeah really maximizing and using the tools to work out, okay, are we actually at capacity? And now we have a bit of a wait list in terms of starting new audits, new retainers, new projects, replatforms, that kind of thing. We can begin to go, okay, in three months time, we need to start to begin to look for a CX designer. We need to begin to look for a, I don't know, a front end developer. Um, whereas historically it was very much reactive. Okay, we're getting busy. We can feel it getting busier. Let's just hire. Yep. Um, so yeah, in, in terms of our approach, 
I think for us, we've always focused on partnerships, referrals, working with other agencies. Um, I made a note on this earlier, but I don't think many people know this about us, but we've never done any paid PPC, any ads, any SEO, any any paid marketing other than what goes out on our social media. And even yep. that we do internally. So yep. for us, we're just going to continue to double down on the partnerships, on the referral side of things, working with agencies that are bigger than us, that qualify leads that they can't execute on, but we can yep. deliver on. Yep. So that's been big for us. And equally the other way around as well, when we're getting leads that don't qualify us, that we can we can give to an agency that, that does meet that that level of what the brand's looking for in terms of budget and that kind of thing. So yeah, focusing a lot of time and energy on that. That's so interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the sense, and this is maybe something that is across the board and it's not just exclusively to Shopify agencies, but the kind of COVID shit show training ground was <laughs> it's been a good training ground for a business to be able to uh navigate the current market volatility right like if you've been able to survive that then not to say that things are obviously they're not great now but you know you we did all of the leaning up you know the zero to five kilometer run <laughs> during covid you know and we're like we're fit and fighting you know and we've got down to 0.0 percent body fat you know we're a lean mean machine yeah, 100%. I think we, we've basically taken all our learnings during that period and we've said, okay, what went wrong? What aren't we going to do again moving forwards? And basically we've just iterated for the last two years on on process to make things, every single build we've done, we've made the process better. We've brought in place people and, and changes to processes and to systems and to tools. And when something's not working, we've literally stopped in our tracks and we've changed it because we can trial it on the next project. We can say, look, okay, we're, we're swapping out this tool for this one. Let's measure it on the next one. Um, for too long during the covid phase like we we let things play out to see what would happen um during that phase we, we lost a lot of money we lost uh, a lot of people um and we lost a lot of projects and clients too so i think from that we we took the learnings and we said look okay how can we we make the agency the team the processes generally everything across the board better um so that's what we focused on the last two years and i mean it's been amazing since um retainers in the best position they've ever been in projects are being rolled out i think we rolled out three in january all ahead of schedule by about three weeks which Mm -hmm. two or three years ago was absolutely unheard of we'd have this (laughs) backlog which would go on forever so um yeah these are the sides that i I guess you don't see or hear about an agency but i I mean it's good to to yeah reflect on them because it's made us who we are now and, and the processes and things generally are in such a such a better position really really yeah. helped us that's so interesting yeah i think the warts and all is something that um one is slightly it's hard to put that in a case study but i would argue that the warts and all is actually a more yeah. interesting case study and i actually would argue that clients appreciate and it resonates with them more like i would love to see a world in which you know case studies were here are the top five projects that fucked up and this is how we dealt with it as opposed to here are the top five projects where we increased your aov by ten thousand percent anyway that's a that's a discussion it's it's interesting right that's that's our approach with all our clients is we've had conversations this week with clients where ultimately we've had to put conversations to a head bring conversations to a head where it's like if this isn't working, then we need to do something about it that's, that's going to make it work. So, um, yeah, I think it's very much our approach on, on retainers, on projects, even in the sales process with clients. I think it just sets the expectation if you if you are transparent. 
Um, again, like I, I would love to have loads of uh, case studies around, yeah, we increased this, we did this, but everyone's doing that. Um, that's not to say we don't have those and that we won't continue to do those. But yeah, I, I definitely feel more comfortable talking about it in person as opposed to writing something about it. True, I think it'd, true. Be, I think it'd definitely be a book later in life. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> um, exactly. Because it felt like it went on forever at the time, but now we're out of it. We do have a good laugh about it. Um, so yeah. Yeah, well, that's the main thing. Um, I want to round it out with two final questions, one of which is practical, one of which is slightly more theoretical and philosophical. So we'll go with the practical one first. I'm curious, and something that I, as a you know, fractional agency director, have been looking at a lot of agency tech stacks internally, not the tech that you use to help your clients, but like what do you use to run your business internally? So I'm curious, what do you use? What's your agency stack across operations, sales, people, et cetera? Yep. So day to day, probably like most agencies, Slack, uh, we, yep. we use a lot of the automation and workflow kind of tools um, in terms of like end of day roundups and stuff so that project managers and stuff can take that information and then pass it up the chain as opposed to having to sit there and, and manually actually collate it. Generally, we do all our day to day comms on that. Um, we have our retained accounts on there as well so that we have a day to day kind of touch point with the with the brand themselves usually there's one point of contact on there so it's a head of e-commerce or an e-com kind of manager we find a lot of teams use that internally themselves but we do all of our project related related uh task orientated conversation through clickup yep, so clickup nice. is our project project management software um amount of conversations i've had in the last few months with agency owners who are only now transitioning and moving over to it i think this is our third year of being on it which is cool yeah. early um, adopters nice yeah yeah really and we should have been a year ahead of that as well if amy who's uh, our head of ops listens to this she'll probably be laughing um because she told us a year before that that we should be moving over to that and nice. we used Props trello for a while yeah yeah <laughs> used trello for a while and we really shouldn't have i don't know how we scaled the agency on trello but um so yeah click up for project management uh we use notion for all our documentation processes um any updates or changes to the way in which we work just because it's so much so much easier to communicate that and to explain change especially when you're working both internally and externally so if we're working with freelancers or anyone where the whole process isn't necessarily internally but there might be external routes to it it just makes that so much easier because we can get everyone working in the same way so just expectation around process and and how we work um google drive just generally for documents file sharing scope of work creation that kind of thing we used to very much work very uncollaboratively shall we say just it was like one person's responsibility to get passed around everyone make their changes to in hindsight like we should have just been using collaborative tools the same for proposals and that kind of thing um what else do we use pipe drive for sales pipeline nice. that's been great and game changing for us should have adopted that a lot sooner you kind of think, well, we'll have a list and I'll just make my way down the list every week and I'll just touch base with that client. But that's so hard to to manage, especially as that pipe begins to get fuller and fuller. We become more yeah. established as an agency, we build more um, kind of agency partners, tech partners, all these people that these referrals are coming from. You can't keep track of all of that, where they came from, what platform they're on, what do they actually want, what communications have been had so far. So, yeah, we needed to do something about that. So Pipe Drive's been great. QuickBooks for um bank transactions and yeah kind of matching and invoicing those we get all our recurring transactions for retainers go out essentially a week to 10 days i think ahead of the following month so that we're paid in advance by the time it gets to their accounts team and we've chased and it's been paid we've been paid by the first of the month um what other tools do we typically use how, how deep do you want me to go 
No, I think that's good. That gives me a broad sense. I think it's just interesting. It's something that um, someone said to me when they were doing the pod and uh, when I was interviewing agency owners, they were like, I'd love to know, like, what do they use? Because it's something that not all agencies talk about that much. I think there's more of a focus, obviously, on the client. You know, we use Shopify and we partner with Yopo and Klaviyo and, you know, obviously all the great stuff that, like, you use to facilitate your client. But I suppose it's also interesting for me in my business because I'm not focused on the clients. I'm focused on you and your business and sort of like understanding like how that runs. And yeah, there's a whole, I mean, ClickUp is a very interesting product. Notion is, I mean, I personally use Notion. So yeah, it's more just getting that broad brush understanding of like how you run your agency from a from a stack perspective. Something that we utilize a lot as well. I, I reckon we, we film 15 to 25 videos on it a day or recordings on it a day is Loom. Yeah, um, nice. Again, both internal and external to just explain, okay, we just need this doing or we need this doing. Um, working with VAs, working with freelancers, it just makes life so much easier to be able to record it as opposed to get on a call to explain it, to match up your diaries in the day. It's just... Totally. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's one of my, I, I love Loom. That's like one of my favorite. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit, Notion and Loom kind of live, they operate, they're my life operating system for, for most things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can def- definitely run a business on them too. Yeah. So, all right, I'm going to round it out. Final question is the more philosophical one. And you can take mm-hmm. it yourself or the agency. I imagine you are very much linked to the agency, but where is Tom in five years? I knew this was going to be the question. This is a question <laughs> I always, always struggle with. Um, <laughs> I've worked with two business coaches in the last two or three years, and I think they, they both ask a very similar question throughout kind of the process of working with a coach and also at the start and kind of like transitioning towards the end of perhaps where we're not working with one another nowadays. Um, and yeah, I, I always struggle with it. I, I think I struggle to see past a year to two years. I think five years for me is difficult, maybe because I'm, I'm, I'm slightly younger. I don't, I don't know. Um, I think so much changes within a year or two look at COVID like none of us saw that happening so it's so hard to say okay in two years we're going to be here because when we initially started out the agency we didn't plan on doing websites at all so um, for me at the moment we're in the process of shaping out another couple of agencies I'm not so involved with the day-to-day anymore of the projects I'm, I'm very much new business talking with clients around like audits, retainers, like what they're actually looking for in an agency and, and how our agency is going to support them. From here, we're going to be building our sales team so that I'm not necessarily having to be that that's that exact person. Um, so yeah, in a couple of years time, I think definitely playing much more golf. <laughs> um, definitely traveling a lot more. I think it's always my plan to, to do more traveling, but I think work gets so busy and it's so easy to go, ah, oh, I won't go now. I'll go. And, I'll go and do this, or I'm not going to go to that event that I planned to go into London. I'm going to sit here and literally work. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a lot more golf, a bit more personal time, a bit more traveling. Um, and yeah, like I say, we're in the process of, of shaping out another couple of agencies. One that runs parallel to to Warrior at the moment is already up and running. Another one that's a little bit in the works that runs parallel to the e-commerce space in terms of like the product offering, but it's not something we offer through Wire at the moment, something that we're exploring that I think a lot of brands don't do too well. So watch this space, something new coming soon. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I also expect to see you on the fourth or fifth season of the Netflix show, Swing, the uh, the, the golf-focused yeah, yeah, yeah. drive. Catch me there soon. <laughs> uh, Tom, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. Good stuff. Thanks. There you go, folks. Thanks so much for joining me. If you like the episode, please leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all of your mates to do the same. I'll see you next time.